Oh my gosh, you guys! I, you know, I'm so I'm so embarrassed. I, I'm, hey, it's me, it's Adam. Welcome to the Madison Story Slam podcast. I am your host, guys. I'm so embarrassed. Um, as you might have learned from our last episode, these are recordings of an episode that I lost. I've lost them for over a year. Uh, it's so embarrassing. Which is actually kind of convenient because the theme from this story slam was I'm so embarrassed. Uh, these were on my computer. This this uh, episode was on my computer for a, a year and I lost it. I only recently found it because I was clearing space for more podcasts. So, hey, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you for supporting Madison Story Slam in the ways that you do. One way that you could continue to support us is by pressing pause right now and going to the Apple Podcast app or onto iTunes and searching for Madison Story Slam. Leave us a rating or a review and a review. I always say or. I don't. Leave us a rating and a review. Maybe a five star rating, even though I screw up, you know, every intro that I ever do for you guys. Uh, higher ratings help people find our podcast when they're searching for podcasts to listen to. And I would love to have more people hear your wonderful stories because they're so good. Another way that you could support us is by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Madison Story Slam. You can support us monthly and see some of the goals we have, some of the rewards we're trying to do. Hey, on February 8th, That is a Thursday, February 8th at The Frequency. We are teaming up with Wisconsin Public Television. They put on a gardening expo every year, and we are doing a story slam for them at The Frequency. The theme that night is resiliency in gardening. So come on out to The Frequency, have a good time, hear some great stories from local gardeners and a couple of people from out of state who are flying in just for this. So that's pretty cool. And then our regularly scheduled Monthly Story Slam is uh, Saturday, February 17th, and the theme that night will be There Will Be Blood. So come tell and hear great stories about times where people have been injured. Maybe there's some blood on the scene since that's, you know, the theme of the thing we're doing. Uh, It's going to be a great time, as always, sponsored by Ale Asylum at the Wilmar Center. Uh, Free to get in and... You're free to have a great time. It's a bad joke. I'm sorry. But don't worry, because our first storyteller is a comedian local to Madison. You can find him at the Comedy Club on State often. Here's Fran Du. Okay. I'm good. I'm good. Talk about embarrassment. Just one... Just wanted to make an entrance there. <laughs> I exaggerated it a little bit, but the fall was really an accident. That wasn't planned. It's good. I'm going to smell like beer now. It's good. Let people know what I do. Wow, man. Yeah. So, how are you doing, huh? It's so good to be back there because there's the little guy on stage. He is making a fool of himself. We have fun just looking at it. Let him suffer all the consequences. It's okay to be an audience member. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so 
I'm a little guy. I'm a little old. I smell a little bad. And I like to get close to people. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and in the mornings, I take deodorant and I put it all over me. Yeah. And that way, when I get close to people, they walk away not because I smell so bad, but because I'm an old guy. <laughs> yeah. And for some reason, people always think that, like, oh, here's an old man. He's probably all hard up, and he just wants to hit on me. Mostly the young girls, because the guys don't really give too much of a thought about it. And then they run away anyway. Like, yes. All right. So, jeez, man, embarrassments. And I didn't know where to tell you the time that I pee on stage. I was eight. <laughs> or the time when I went to have a massage, because, you know, everybody said, oh, go get a massage. So I went to get a massage, and in the middle of the massage, boom, I get a hard on. <laughs> to me, it was like, it's okay. It just, I, it's not that I'm thinking anything. You know, I'm thinking the clouds and the birds, and this feels really good, and then, boop, I go, uh-uh. Ah, man, sometimes, 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 sometimes you hide yourself from yourself. You know, sometimes you wish for the most loyal friend you got, and he doesn't exist, you know? And then you just got to take it all on yourself, you know, and just like, and when I feel like that, sometimes I go away to the farthest corner of the city where nobody knows me, and then I can just be here, be with you, and just let it all be. Let it happen. So, hey, I am an old man, and so therefore I have lived a long time, and all these things about, you know, loving and dating and all that, it's like, that's gone. So I feel good, because I don't have to go through those pains anymore, you know. Oh, that guy is handsome. Wow, she really looks good. Can I talk to her? Have a date, and then you're like, my, my best. Oh, oh, yeah, my shoes are shining. It's good. Nah, nah, I'm an old man. I was like, what the heck, you know? Just and then boom, you fall in love. God, jeez, freaking frack! Oh my God, you fall in love, and I'm an old mature human being. I know the game. I go. I understand. I'm like, no. In my mind, I'm thinking, wow, what am I wearing? How do I look? Is, is my hair comb? Well, I have no hair. Well, <laughs> I brush my teeth three times before I leave the house. You know, I make sure that my shoes, my toes, my socks, my pants, my underwear, you know, everything is looking good. It's prime. It's fantastic. Like, and I'm going to dress up. And I'm like, what the freaking frack? What am I doing? You know, 
Just go out there and be yourself. Because the dress, what's that going to do? The makeup, the deodorant, nah. Freaking fry. Go up there, have the date, and like, yeah, let it smell it. Because that's you. Yeah. Take it out on, 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 on a dinner, you know, candle lights, wine, what have you, and then you smell so good, but then when you get together, you know, and like, yeah, 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 your body odor is going to come out. There's no way to hide that. And how about when you need, when you have gas in you? Excuse me, I got to go to the bathroom. And then when you start running, That totally brings you up to reality. Oh, yeah, we're freaking animals. Uh, no different than the dog I have at home. Man, she farts all the time she wants to. No problem. But not us. We're just like, ah, okay, I'll see you a little later. <laughs> and if you can hold it. Oh, my God. Jeez. Wow. Oh, 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 oh. So what do you do, you know? You write a poem for the woman. That's what you do. You know, that just comes out of you, and you're just like, wow. Because the qualities she has, the way she talks to you, the way you're able to talk to her, the way she listens, the way I can hear her, the way she walks, the things that she does for me to, to provide me with more opportunity to go on to do what I want to do, and vice versa. Just those little things that happen, you know, the little details that she does that I do, yeah, wow, and I'm just in love, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love, I'm in love. Holy freaking frack. Oh! I went to a pizzeria a long time ago to declare my blinding head over heels love to this woman that I have seen for like three years, and she turned me down. And so it was such a strong, surprising reaction to me that I just stopped, looked at it, and I could not hold it by my eyes, just wept away. And the pizza man who's in the, in the oven over there and looking to us because, you know, we're having a dinner and he can tell that, you know, we, we like each other, that something good is about to happen, and he's just enjoying us having the little dinner, and when he looks at me, as she turns me down, and I start to like trying to hold it, and the tears begin to come out, she looks at me and she goes, "So oh, please don't do that." And I look back, and there's the man looking at us, you know, with that wonderful smile that he had. Now it's gone. Now he's like whipping himself. Ah, he's just crying over there at the pizza oven. <laughs> and I looked at him. And I go, oh, "Okay, I see, I see," but I couldn't hold it. I just. I just wept. So I wrote a poem. And I cooked breakfast for her at noon. Crepes with, with, with yogurt and fruit. Nice, good, lovely. And I went to New York City and I bought a ring for her. A little wooden thing that they were having some bazaar, and I said, Ah, oh, I want to get her something, and boom, I did. And she's not out of my mind. And when I wake up, get up in the mornings, I go to myself and I say, Oh my God, I wonder what she's doing. What am I doing? What am I doing? 
I wonder if I can call her. Did I talk to her too much? Did I tell her the right things? Am I calling her too often? Shall I just wait a week? Shall I wait two months? When am I going to see her again? I want to see her now. I stopped talking to her and then I want to call her right back. <laughs> it's like, yeah. And all I talk to her is like, you, three lines, you know, because it's modern times and you can do it through the phone. You don't have to see each other anymore. <laughs> But I want to be there. I want to see her smile. I want to see her being embarrassed. I want me be embarrassed right there. And so I remember the pizzeria, you know. And how did you overcome age and problems that you have, you know? Like, how do, how, how do you live with the fact that you know you're going to die real soon? Like, a five years will be so amazing to me. That I just wish I had eight so that my kid can be 25 and I'll be done with my job. How do I declare a love to this woman that I'm going to say goodbye to, you know? How do do I make that a happy occasion? (laughs) And so we have intuition. That's the best thing we got. And so you got to listen to it. Unless you're freaking in love, then you're freaking blind. Then it doesn't matter. Then you're like, no, no, she still likes me. No, no, she does. No, no, she smiled. (laughs) But you know. But you know. So I took a trip out to the farthest corner of the city. And I sat down to have a cup of tea and write the shit out of the feeling. And in the middle of writing, I just couldn't, and I started weeping. (laughs) So you don't want people to see you, because what are they going to (laughs) do? So you know how you do it. You're like, (laughs) and then you just let it out, and there's just little, little sounds that come out, you know? And like people look at you and say, what is he, what is he doing? You know, what's, what's and then they kind of walk by your table and then kind of walk away. And, and then finally I just like, whew, let it out. And somebody comes over and he says, you okay, you okay? I said, yes, yes, I'm okay, I'm okay. Somebody else comes by and they say, oh, you okay, you okay? And I go, yeah, yeah, it's okay. And then somebody, and then just like the whole time, I said, no, I don't know what's the matter with him. He's just crying. And then they come over. I go, well, can we, can we help you? Can we help you? And I said, no, no, I'm just crying. <laughs> it's okay. I'm just crying. It's all right. <laughs> you know, why not? Why not? You know? But it's embarrassing because I'm a man. Hey, since I was a three-year-old, that's what they taught me. You're a man. And you have to show the strength that a man has. And so you don't cry. You don't, you don't, you don't jump up and, and down with, with excitement. You know, you don't, you don't go tell your, your friends that, oh, my God, you know, I really feel bad because that woman slapped me on the face. Or, 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 or because that guy stole my toy. You know, and like I feel, no, you don't do that. This is why I loved women since I was a boy, a little kid, because they could do that. And if I hang around with them, well, yeah, I could jump up and down because, you know, they got a little ca- 
cat and I saw a little dog or whatever. Because my God, if we don't put color in our lives, in our lives, if we don't put color in our lives, and what puts color in our lives? Our freaking emotions. That's what colors our world. That's what we get. Our canvases filled up with all kinds of wonderful things. That's what we come up with poems. That's what we come up with stories. That's what we come with our creative spirit. That's what we can see all kinds of things that happen around us that we don't like and we express it out because we have feelings. And feelings is life. And that's why we're different. Maybe much better than the freaking intelligence that I don't see. So I wept. And now I feel a lot better. <laughs> Thank you very much. My name is Frantu. <laughs> uh, I don't know, Fran. Thank you, Frantu. Our next storyteller has some <laughs> has a very interesting story. I'm told. Please put your hands together for Cat. Thank you, thank you. Yes, I am very nervous. This is my first time ever being to Story Slam 2, and I don't know, it might be my last. I'm joking. I'll probably be back here again. You guys seem great. Um, so there's this philosophy idea called the adjacent possible. So it is basically saying almost anything is in your adjacent future, and you can make a choice to transcend and create your future. And a lot of my embarrassing moments have, I don't know, have just transcended and manifested through poor choices time and time again. So as Adam said, I had worked at Selective Video and it was an interesting job here and there. Um, definitely, um, it helped my customer service level to a whole new expert level. I had to be comfortable talking to everything about everyone. And, you know, uh, but so one of the great perks about that, though, is that we got an employee discount. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> I loved that. I am a liberated woman that found my sexuality at a very early age. <laughs> So I utilized that discount and built up an inventory, just a large arsenal of, I don't know, just uh, US military would be jealous of how many, <laughs> of how large my guns were. <laughs> so, um, the one day I had gotten home from work, I, I had since like quit this job, but I kept my arsenal and used it on a, a very regular basis, you know, uh, just because I like to be happy if, you know, I'm, there's one thing that usually just definitely does not make my mood is if I haven't gotten any in a while, so, you know, self-service works too. 
So I got home from work, and I'm just like, ah, oh, I don't know what I want to use. So I, I get out my trunk, lay it next to my bed, open it up, and I start taking them out one by one. I'm just like, hmm, maybe... I don't know, we'll put that down. And I ended up laying them all out one by one. The dildos, uh, the anal beads, maybe, uh, maybe not. Um, ass plugs, yeah, those are looking good. Um, and the vibrators, okay, I'll choose you and you and you, sir. So come with me. <laughs> So I went and did my thing, and oh, afterwards was just like knee-shaking amazing. <laughs> and I was oh, really craving a cigarette. So <laughs> it was that good. Yeah, I know myself that well. <laughs> so I was really craving a cigarette, but I didn't smoke in my house. That's a big no-no. So I... Uh, put my vibrator away and the dildo, but man, this ass plug is really nice. I think I'm gonna leave it in. So this ass plug was a special kind of ass plug. So before you use it, <laughs> like it can also double as a whip because it has a lot of silicon strands coming from it. So <laughs> you can use it as a whip or when it's in, it kind of looks like a tail hanging down past your knees. <laughs> And I'm like, you know what, my roommate's not home, whatever. I just throw on my skirt and my cardigan and stuff like that, head out to my balcony because I'm on the second floor of a condo, and it's like a U-shaped condo building, and uh, there's a courtyard in the middle where all of the balconies face. So I'm like, you know, ready to go have a cigarette and... Uh, uh, it was a nice day out. I put on a skirt and just like shoes. So I walk outside to my balcony and I turn around to shut the sliding screen door and I shut it with such a velocity that when it hit the jam, the lock flipped up. <laughs> I am now stuck outside on my balcony facing my neighbors, the world, all of Middleton at that time, um, anybody who would happen to walk up, you know, just be able to look up from the first floor up onto the second to see, you know, like, hey, she's wearing a skirt, and what is that, you know? <laughs> so I'm just like, as soon as it slammed, my heart dropped to my stomach. I'm like, what am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? You feel like the whole room gets black and you just get that tunnel vision. All of it gets muffled and I'm like, snap out of it. Check your inventory. My skirt had pockets. I love skirts that have pockets. My skirt saved my life that day. So I check. Inside my pocket, cigarettes. Yes, I need one now. <laughs> While I sit and think and try and figure out how I'm going to get out of this uh, peculiar incident. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I, I get in my, my uh, I reach inside my skirt. I find my apartment keys in there. I didn't take them out after I gotten home from work. So I'm like, yes, I have my apartment keys. And I'm like, oh, I'm, out, I'm only on the second balcony. 
maybe, you know, like the second floor balcony, maybe I should just like kind of climb over the edge and like kind of like drop down. And I'm like, ah, uh, I don't know. That doesn't sound like a good idea. I have a skirt on, no panties, and this, this tail just kind of dangling beyond my skirt line. <laughs> like that probably won't be a good idea. I could just imagine my skirt falling up over my, <laughs> my waist and me just dangling there bare butt. And I didn't want that. So I was just like, I was thinking of that adjacent possibility. Do not make that a possibility for that to happen. You're already in a bad enough situation. <laughs> I reach inside my other pocket. Hallelujah, a phone. It was uh, another part of the key, like the key to help unlock this uh, embarrassing situation. So I sit, smoking a cigarette. Who am I going to call? All of my friends are still at work. I got off really early today. Oh yeah, I kind of did, didn't I? <laughs> um, So I like my friend Ashley, she was the one I was able to get a hold of. None of my other friends would answer their phone calls. She wouldn't get off of work until like two and a half hours later. I call this guy. It was like one of my last ditch efforts. This guy I had just met like a week prior on a date to come and save me. And he's like, I don't, why? Why can't you just jump down? And I'm just like, I had to explain the reason why to this guy, oh, why I needed saving. And he's like, I don't believe you. I have to go to class. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. He was a sweet guy. I ended up marrying him later. <laughs> he, he never believed me. <laughs> So I was just like, man, who am I going to call? Who am I going to call? Uh, wait a minute. I have a weed dealer that delivers. <laughs> <laughs> so I call him up. I'm like, hey, Pete. Uh, how soon can you get here? I am in desperate need for you to come to my place right now. And he's like, yeah, man, how much you need? I'm like, the normal amount. <laughs> I feel bad. I didn't want to ask him to come over just to, like, let me out. I got to give a, a man at least some money for his kind of services while he's running over to help me out. So uh, he's like, yeah, I'll be over there in 20 minutes, man. I'm on weed man time. <laughs> it was an hour and a half. <laughs> it was an hour and a half. I sat there waiting for him with it still in. I never took it out because I was afraid. What if it's dirty when I take it out? I don't want to put it on my porch. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't want to like... I, I just want to keep it all contained, and maybe he won't notice. So when he arrives, I, I tell him, I'm like, hey, I really need you to let me back in my house. I locked myself out. Here's my keys. Told him which key it was, and I dropped it down to him. I forgot to tell him 
uh, to come, like, my apartment was laid out in a big circle. So the entryway was, like, a hallway with my bedroom and my roommate's bedroom. Uh, but you could also go through the kitchen, dining room, and living room, which is also connected to the hallway, a big circle for him to come and let me out. I was hoping, it was like a 50-50 shot for him to come through the kitchen in the dining room to let me out so I didn't have to like show him what was laying on my bed. <laughs> um, and he did, he did. When he came up, he came through the kitchen and he was like, what's the big deal? Why couldn't you just like hop on down? It's not that far of a drop. There was a bush right there. You would have had a soft landing. And I'm like, it would have been a scratchy landing. I don't have any panties on. And he's like, what? And he's, why are you telling me this? And I'm just like, well, a really odd predicament was, and then I had let my little tail down from my waist that I had hooked up into it. I let it down and so it just like flung in between my legs. And he's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> So, um, yeah, he then propositioned me for sex. I told him to fuck off. I already got off. I don't need him. Anything I can do, anything he thinks he can do, I can do better. So, <laughs> uh, life is all about those adjacent possibilities. So, my poor decision of keeping it in because it felt good kind of led to an embarrassing situation for me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Kat. Do you guys remember when she got up at the beginning and said she was super nervous and, and embarrassed? Man! <laughs> I don't want to know what you would tell the crowd you're comfortable with. <laughs> Good Lord! <laughs> Been there. Um... <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I told you that these stories would be kind of embarrassing and crazy, so you only have yourself to blame, and me for providing the recordings of these stories and, you know, the original storytellers. Hey, I want to take this time to tell you about my friend Trent. Trent does music under the name Friendly Monsters. All of the music that you hear on Madison Story Slam on the podcast is provided by friendly monsters he does the intro the outro and this little ditty that you hear under me speaking now trent well friendly monsters in december released a new album called i am lexicore l-e-x-i-c-o-r-e and you can find that on spotify you can buy it on itunes pretty much anywhere that music is sold online and all the proceeds of this album are going to the Depression and Anxiety Association of America. So, go out, get this album, get some great music to just sit back, chill, and relax with. Maybe you could read a book. And you'll know that your money that you spent on these great songs is going to go to help people who struggle daily. We love Friendly Monsters, and you should too. Let's hear more stories. Please put your hands together for Todd Greenwood! (laughs) 
Thanks. Yeah, I, it is a little difficult to uh, follow a story like that as that, I mean, amazing. But you know, it, it occurs to me that with this theme of embarrassing moments, it really is sort of about that kind of opening up of, of a door, of a, of a place, those little, that closet of, of those things that we, we don't necessarily want to be uh, telling all the time. And, um, and I, you know, I, I, I love telling stories, and I, and I have lots of them. I don't think I've actually told this story before. And it's interesting. So I grew up in New York City. Um, and by the way, I'm learning a whole lot about Wisconsin tonight that I, I just <laughs> I, I just had no idea. Anyway, <clears throat> so I grew up in New York City, and um, as you can tell, I'm a little older. But this is a this is a story when I was about 15 years old, and the place that was probably most important to me when I was growing up was my summer camp. So New York City, you know. City kids go up to camp. Camp for me was up in the Adirondacks. Yeah! Uh, Six-hour drive up to the Adirondacks, way past Albany, and kind of the northern edge of the Adirondack Mountains, Camp Poco Moonshine. Camp Poco Moonshine, uh, you know, had it 100 years old. 100 years, same family, oldest camp in the United States, owned, owned by the same family. Amazing place, full of all this lore and... You know, oh my God, the mountain's so gorgeous, long pond. Now, I was a kid who grew up and I was terrible at sports. I mean, I, I just hated sports. I hated baseball. I, even though we lived in kind of the shadow of Shea Stadium, but I just hated baseball and I was terrible at it. And, and you know, and my parents, my parents were constantly pushing, pushing me to do sports. I mean, my, my mom was like, get out there and do Little League. And I was like, I was out in, 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 in the far outfield, and I was so bored shitless that I was taking rocks and throwing them, and, you know, one hit my head, and that was the end of, you know, Little League. <laughs> you know, karate, I mean, you know, like, and they were like, go to karate, go to karate. I ended up literally catching my finger in the, in the door of the car, car door because, I mean, that's how much I hated karate. I was like, that was it. I was done with karate. I hated sports. But when I went to Camp Pokemonshine, Camp Pokemonshine like, opened up this whole idea of what sports could be. Sports didn't have to be about competition. They could be about something that you did that you really loved. And, and I found a whole bunch of things. I mean, I found mountain climbing. I mean, I'm proud to say I'm number 1876. That means I'm the 1,876th person to have climbed all 46 mountains in the Adirondacks that are over 4,000 feet. Amazing. And uh, my son Sebastian did the same, the same feat. And so, you know, this is, this is something I felt really proud about. And the other thing that I felt really, really proud about at camp was sailing. I had no idea about sailing. I mean, you know, yeah, I'm a Jewish kid. We don't sail. But no, I mean, I learned sailing. You know, and, and the thing was, you know, you start in camp the first year, you know, you're a, you're a minnow, and then you're a skipper, and then you're a colonel and a captain. And, a, and they actually had it by the fifth year that I was in camp. Chris Stokes, who was this badass pilot who had flown 
he, he had flown in Vietnam and he flew all of these cargo planes and he was the sailing instructor. And Chris and I, and it was like, you know, he, was, he, he really looked up to me. And I looked up to him. You know, he's like, you're a great sailor. And so, you know, he called me a rear admiral. I was, I loved sailing. I really did. We had, you know, these sunfish, I guess they're called, which are these little um, plastic boats. But we also had these wooden boats. We had one that was called the Snipe. And this was an amazingly gorgeous wooden boat. You went out onto Long Pond, and you just kind of felt it as you were going along in the wind. And you were just, I mean, you felt like you were really in control, that snipe. So, 15 years old, it's visiting day. You, you, you look forward to visiting day in camp. I mean, you know, mom and dad coming up to the country, you know, and they're going to stay, and they're going to stay, and you're going to show them everything, and... You know, this was going to be my opportunity to show my mom, my dad, about sailing. So, you know, came an opportunity, and I said to Chris, can I, can I take my mom out sailing? He goes, sure. So, and can I take the snipe? He goes, here, sure. So we go out, and it was a choppy day. And it seemed like, you know, there was, the wind was kind of strange and it was kind of moving in this, in this odd way that you, it was just, it, 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 was a, it was something that just felt unplanned and, and sort of mysterious about the wind. And so my mom gets on the boat and I'm like, put on your life jacket, mom, because, you know, I'm a sailor. And she's like, okay. And she puts on her, her life jacket. She doesn't tie it your life jacket <laughs> and we go out and we're on the lake and you know there's there's there are parts of the lake that seem to this day seem very mysterious to me places that should like you know typically didn't go but we ended up going to that part of the, the lake where these cabins you know and and, and and a strange motel and and so we're out there and suddenly the wind picks up and the, and, the, and the snipe starts to heel over. And, like, and, I, and I'm calling out sailing terms, you know. We're healing. It's like, what's that mean? Well, it means hold, <laughs> hold on, hold on. And my, you know, my mom's holding on. And then, you know, and then the, the wind shifts. And the boat turns in the other direction. And my mom slips off the boat. And she's off, she's there, bobbing in Long Pond. And the life preserver slips out over her head. And now she is, she is bobbing in Long Pond, and she's like holding on to the life preserver like it's a pillow. Now, my mom, still alive, and had been, she'd been, she'd been a, a lifeguard. She had taken senior life saving. So I wasn't that incredibly nervous when I saw my, my mother floating out on the pond as these waves started picking up.
But then, you know, the waves got larger, and I was like, you know, Mom, hold on! And I'm, I'm, I'm taking the boat around, and I'm, I'm trying to get close to her. And she's like over here, and, and I mean, literally, like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to kind of get out, get over to her, but the boat is a big boat, and it's not maneuverable. I mean, it's not like one of these little sunfish that you can go and get over to a person. I mean, it's a big boat, and I'm coming around, and I'm like, Mom, I'll be right over there, and I'm going around this way, and she is, and I'm saying, how the fuck, how much longer can she, can she float there? And it's like, you know, minutes felt like hours, and I was panicking. I was absolutely panicking. I was like, Mom, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut. And I tried maybe three times, and I said, I'm going to go, and I'm going to get help. There wasn't anyone on the lake. There wasn't anyone on the lake. So I, I saw what was like a dock with these cabins, and, um, and I headed over there. And with, I, I sailed over to this dock. I, when I got there, and it, I mean, it took, and I'm looking, and I'm like, I'm leaving my I'm leaving my mother behind in the lake. I mean, to this day, just the, the idea, just the, the, the memory of, of sailing away from my mother as she's busy floating, holding on to this life preserver in Long Pond, it was horrifying. It was horrifying. But I went to this, I went to the dock, I, I tied up, and I, and I ran, I ran as fast as I could. I, got, I saw a guy who was walking with me. Mr. Mr. I, I need help. He was like, you know what? Hey, do you have a boat? He was like, yeah, he had a motorboat. Like, my mother. So he ran over, he got his boat. He went out with his boat. He rescued my mom, and he brought her back. And I'm hugging her and she's soaking wet and she's crying and I'm feeling like the biggest fucking failure in the world because I was that sailor, I was that rear admiral and I left my mom floating in Long Pond and we drove back to the camp together and there was Chris Stokes and I said, and I, my head down, and I said, Chris, I'm not sure what happened, but I left the snipe there on the other side of the lake. And he looked at me, and he said, snipe is just wood. You saved your mom. And it was a it was a, a, a moment that I'll always remember. It was an apology. It was a forgiveness. And it took me a good 15 years before I got into a sailboat again, and I fully forgave myself. And I realized how embarrassed I had been at that moment. But today, I see that actually it was an act of courage and of love, and that's what it's about. Thank you, Todd. Uh, that was an incredible story, so uh, that was really good. 
Uh, every now and then at Story Slam, most of these stories that we hear at Story Slam tend to be on the funny side, and there were humorous parts of your story, but every now and then somebody gets up here and like just like fucking nails it, and it's not a funny story. It's not meant to be funny. It's just, that was really good. One more time for Todd. All right, so our last storyteller is, uh, I think it's his first time here. First time telling a story here. I think first time even being here, right? Yeah. Uh, so be kind. Again, be respectful. Uh, thanks to all of our storytellers tonight. But please clap your hands for John Hunter. I may just step back a few more feet. No. Um, I'm glad I'm going last so that you can all remember this forever. Um, <laughs> If you're wondering if I'm going to stay on theme, um, this event happened in June of 2006, and I've never told anyone. Um, <laughs> so I went to high school here in Madison at Memorial, um, and when I was a sophomore, or right before sophomore year, I found, out, I found out that I had the opportunity to be in a class with my brother, who's two years older, and we had never been in any class together at any point in school. Um, so we kind of jumped at that opportunity, and it was introduction to photography. Um, you should know that my family is not artistic, remotely. Um, we had no idea what we were doing, and that became apparent very quickly. Um, I think we had the two lowest grades in the class for most of the semester. Um, but we had some great times in there, um, a lot of funny stories from that class actually that aren't going to be told tonight, but people getting arrested in that class, a girl getting caught drinking, it was first period of the day. Um, if, you're, if your teacher asks for a sip of your coffee and there's alcohol in it, don't give them a sip of your coffee. Um, brilliant. Um, so anyways. Uh, we got towards the end of the semester, and I was sitting at a C minus, um, and I was always an A and B student in high school, and all before that. So I was very concerned about that. My parents were pretty strict about grades. Um, my brother was at a D, did not seem to care. Um, but he was a senior. I think it was, our, I think it was his last semester of school. Um, and so it came to final project time, um, and I needed a really good grade to get my grade up to a B. Um, and so I went in, um, and we had to develop all these photos, like a photo, I can't remember, it was basically like a themed photo shoot. Um, and I had lunch before I went in, um, and I went into school, and it was the last day, I think there was only a few finals that day, so there was basically no one in the school except for a few people doing projects like this. Um, and there was me and the teacher and one other student in the photo lab. Um, I could not tell you how to develop a photograph. I have no idea. Um, it's been 10 years, so I guess that's fair, but I didn't have a better idea then, necessarily. Um, so I'm, you know, I, got, I have taken the pictures. I go into the dark room to start doing whatever you do. Um, and suddenly I have this feeling that you've probably all had at least once in your life where you go from feeling totally fine to, oh my God, I need to get to the bathroom. And 
I'm in the middle of developing my final project, which I need an A on to get to be in the class. Um, and I can't leave the room because this stuff is all time sensitive. You have to develop it for a certain amount of time or whatever, or it goes bad. Um, so I'm in there, I'm like, whatever, I'm gonna finish this, I'll be fine. So I keep doing the work, it's getting worse and worse. I'm starting to feel like I'm gonna throw up. Don't know what's about to happen. Um, and then finally, it's like that even more sinking feeling of, okay, I cannot finish this project, I have to go. So I leave my thing, sitting there in the, whatever chemicals you put it in. Um, and I don't run to the nearest bathroom because I could not run at this point. It was more of like a waddle, kind of like. <laughs> things were held tense. Um, and I got to the nearest bathroom. This huge sigh of relief came over me because I know there was basically no one in the school. There was no way anyone was going to be in this bathroom. And I grabbed the door and it was locked. <laughs> and you may know this feeling where if you think you are about to be relieved of this pressure, um, like, you know, you're like five feet from the toilet and you're like, okay, I can settle down a little. <laughs> and then you find out, oh no, I should not have settled down a little. Um, so I waddled again, got my little legs close together, walking as fast as I can, all the way down to the boys' locker room. Um, it's probably like 75 yards from the bathroom I was at. And I get to within 30 feet of the toilets there. I see that the bathroom door is open, and it happens. And I did not make it. Um, yeah, so I was wearing cargo shorts. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, boxers, not briefs, because I had to be cool. Um, briefs would have really helped in this situation. Um, <laughs> so, some of it ends up on the floor there. I make it to the toilet and uh, did the rest of my business in there, threw away the boxers. Um, put the cargo shorts back on, which were mostly clean. Um, from the outside, you could not see anything. Um, I go back, I'm like, well, should I even check on this photography project? I do, it looked terrible, it got all messed up in the chemicals. I don't remember my final grade in the class, I definitely did not get a B. Um, so, I went home, I drove home. Um, I, <laughs> thanks. I'm assuming that was one of my friends, so it's okay. Um, I got home and, uh, I had never done laundry in my life. Um, so knowing that it was going to go miserably wrong, I came up with a brilliant plan. Um, I knew I could not do this on my own. So I went up and got my basket of dirty laundry from my room. I put, I changed, I put my cargo shorts in the middle of it so it was kind of hidden by everything else. Um, and I told my mom, hey mom, I wanna learn how to do laundry because I'm... <laughs> because I'm 16 now and 16 year olds should know how to do laundry. She was very happy. Um, 
I honestly don't know if she had any concerns about why I wanted to learn that day. Um, so we went down to the laundry room. I had my basket. And she started to teach me how to do laundry. And... We got to the cargo shorts. I was like, you know what, Mom? I think I've learned enough. I can handle the rest of this. And I, like, yanked the shorts out of her hand, threw them in, and my mom never found out. I never did laundry again in high school. She had to have been suspicious about why that was the only time. She never asked me anything. Um... But despite not being caught by anyone, uh, that is maybe the most embarrassing story of my life. Do you remember when I got up here at the beginning and I said it takes guts to come up here? Hey, that is going to do it for us on this episode, the lost episode of Madison Story Slam. And it's true, guys. It takes guts to come up on stage and share uh, a piece of you and a part of your story, just a little small segment of the story of your life. And so thank you to all of our storytellers from way back last December, well, December 2016, for being willing to get up and share some embarrassing moments with us for our pleasure. Uh, February 8th is the Gardening Expo Story Slam Resilience in Gardening at the Frequency. And then February 17th, Saturday, February 17th, is our regular Story Slam. The theme that night is going to be There Will Be Blood. So come on out on the 17th. Come out on the 8th as well. But on the 17th, come to the Wilmar Center for There Will Be Blood. Uh, Hopefully there won't actually be literal blood on the stage. But you'll hear some great stories about maybe some injuries and other things. It's going to be a good time. Sponsored by Ale Asylum, as always. And we'll be at the Wilmar Center. Hey, thanks for being such a great community. It means the world to me to be with you guys. And as always, I love you.